banker, consumer advocate, analyst, trader. Chris Markowski is the watchdog of Wall Street. You want answers? Exposing the lies and myths that the big brokerage firms, the mainstream press, and the government are pushing to keep Americans away from financial freedom. You can't handle the truth. Bringing America the truth about what really happens in the financial world. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not here to indulge in fantasy, but in political and economic reality. This is the Watchdog on Wall Street. Been doing this uh, for quite some time. <laughs> 20 plus years on the radio, um, three decades, Markowski Investments. And we've seen Sweden a lot over the years. Uh, many, many various different points, uh, all sorts of turbulence, market corrections, stock markets gone crazy. I was thinking of that song by Genesis from the 1980s, Land of Confusion. Yeah, the video, remember they were making fun of Ronald Reagan and that. But uh, land of confusion. What what to do? What, what, what to do when the markets go off the rails? Uh, what should you do? Phone calls, questions that I'm getting. Hey, Chris, what do you make of this market action? <laughs> um, I don't. I don't, and I'm not going to. Um, can I? I love stoic philosophy and, and reading Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus and, and all of these great philosophers of old. And, and again, one of the things that they, they try to explain to people is you try not to worry about things that you really don't have any control over. Uh, last week on the program, we played a, a bit from the movie Wall Street. One of my favorite characters in the movie Wall Street, very important character, the movie was brilliant, was Lou Mannheim. And he was talking to Bud Fox about how for every bull market, quick buck artists come and go. And that movie was the 1980s. Oliver Stone's father worked on Wall Street. As a matter of fact, he kind of took some from that as well. But yeah, every, for every bull market, quick buck artists come and go. You know, all of the money managers that I used to see, the stars of the 1990s. All these stars, they parade them on CNBC. Do you remember that period of time? CNBC was on every television at the gym. It overtook ESPN, every pizza parlor that was out there. Last year, all these wizards are smart, and they're starting their SPACs, and all of these high-flying funds out there. Every bull market, quick buck artists come and go. And individual investors lose. When, when markets are acting like they are now, okay, you, you do need to reassess. And, and again, this is what we've been doing. Burning the midnight oil, okay? <laughs> the, countless, the countless people that have signed up for our personal CFO program that are sending us over their, their portfolios and having us reassess what they're doing... Uh, have we been doing a lot of selling? Yes. What are we selling? Companies that don't make money. Companies that don't make money and companies that we don't believe will make any money. 
You know, again, when when markets are going through the roof, everything goes through the roof. Everybody is a genius. It's easy. No problem. I can do this on my own. Again, 1990s. I mean, Mark, you talk about that period for a while. You sound bitter. I'm not. That's my bitter. I'm not bitter. Um, and it just, just maybe it's frust- It's more frustration with myself. We try in a million different ways try to communicate with people and how the world works. 1990s. Everybody's a genius. Nothing but tech stocks. Let's sell all of my blue chip companies to buy some dot coms. When we refused to do so, we lost clients. We wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. We lost clients. And again, everybody thought that they were genius until they weren't anymore. I read this the other day. And again, I've mentioned this, this gentleman here, one of, one of my teachers. Uh, never met the guy. Read all the stuff. I, again, thought I read all of the stuff. I, I, did, I didn't get this quote before. Mentor to Warren Buffett. We always talk about Benjamin Graham. And again, go ahead. Go, go on, order, order the intelligent investor. And some of it, you can skip through some of, some of the stuff, but you can get the gist of what's really important. Um, I was, <laughs> read this this past week. This is in a speech. This is 1963. 1963, Benjamin Graham stated, in my nearly 50 years of experience, 50 years, two decades on me, in my nearly 50 years of experience on Wall Street, I found that I know less and less about what the stock market is going to do. But I know more and more about what investors ought to do. Yeah. I, again, I <laughs> I get it. I get it. This is the theme that we try to get across here on the program. And I mentioned Stoic philosopher Socrates, know thyself. You, you need to get a grip on, on who you are and where you want to go and what you want to do. And, and I know I throw little bits all the time here out in the program. And again, it's, it's my method of coaching as well. If, if I can get, if I get my listeners, if I get people that I'm having a conversation with here every day in the podcast, once a week here on the terrestrial show, hey, just take in 10%, maybe absorb 10% of what we're trying to teach here on the program. Uh, we're going places. There's no shortcuts. Everything in life that has meaning, value, and worth involves work, time, and effort. Yeah, I talk about Benjamin Graham again, 50 years, 1963, 50 years of experience. Experience matters. It does. I, I, I don't care. I, I don't care what type of uh, degree you got, what school you came from. You come out of school, you think you can manage money. You're crazy. You don't know a damn thing. You don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. It was interesting was being interviewed. Um, former Dallas Fed chief. Former Dallas uh, Fed chief was uh, being interviewed. Okay. Um, uh, his name's Richard Fisher, by the way. He was, uh, I don't know, what was he on 
Squawk Box, one of the, the programs out there. And he made this point. He made this point. He, he basically saying that because of what the Federal Reserve has done with all of this money printing, and this is true. It's true. There's, there's an entire generation. There's an entire generation. He called them money managers. I mean, and he's obviously talking about fund managers and, and whatnot. Uh, it's not just fund managers. It's schlock brokers. It's advisors out there. There's an entire generation out there that has no clue what happened in the late 1970s. Well, it's 1974. What happened in 1987? How to handle something like that. The end of the 1990s. A lot of these kids, they weren't even around that are managing money. They weren't even around for 2007 to 2009. Their entire experience, their entire experience is a one-way street. They don't know. They don't know. I mention that all the time here. He's talking about the arrogance. It's not just of, of individuals, but you also see it, these guys on Wall Street. They don't know what they don't know. And they have no idea how to go about handling what's taking place. Flight quality always happens. It does. Are you watching what's taking place? you watching the companies that are being punished based upon the money that they're making or lack thereof? Earnings matter. They do. Fundamentals Again, I'll go back to Lou Mannheim from last week. Stick to the fundamentals, kid. It was true when Oliver Stone made his movie back in the 1980s. It was true when Benjamin Graham was writing his books back in the 1940s and 1950. It was true when he gave a speech in the 1960s. It was true at the end of the 1990s, dot-com run-up. And it was true during the Great Recession. Stick to the fundamentals. And again, the importance of experience in this industry. And I, I don't, quite frankly, I don't like the way the Wall Street is, is basically constructed and how it goes about handling money managers. I, I You know, it, it, it takes longer to become a sushi chef in Japan than it does to manage money on Wall Street. Think about that for a second. It does. It's 10 years to become an expert sushi chef. Say that 10 times fast. Yeah. Not to throw any kid out there. Oh, I went to an Ivy League school. Here you go. Here you go. Here, go manage some money. Come up with some cool name for an ETF. Again, they're just interested in pushing products out the door. We're not. Okay, we're not in the, the product pushing business. We're in the wealth management, wealth creation business. And, and again, I, I people, I, I didn't make up these rules of the universe. I didn't. I didn't make up these rules of the universe. It, it, this, this is the way things are. Again, you're going to hear it, and it's not going to be the last time. You're going to you're going to have countless people out there telling you that somehow they they can break all these rules of the universe. They can't. They can't. 
the, the markets and investing, one of the greatest ways to building wealth and going on and achieving and, and meeting goals and all these things. But again, it takes work, time, and effort. We talk about the importance of, of courage and patience and compounding and all of these things that work every single time they're tried. And again, I want to reiterate this again. I didn't invent this stuff. Okay? I didn't invent this stuff. But you need to follow it. You need to follow it, and guess what? It's not a matter of if you're going to be successful. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break right here. But again, I, again, um, like I said, we're, we're working our tails off right now. That's, that's good. I mean, this is, these are all it's great stuff. Great stuff for us. Great stuff for all of our new clients, everybody that's signing up for our personal CFO program. Um, and again, you know, I'm going to get into this when we get back from the break. I, I got I to really make the point, okay? We are not the schmucks out there with the velvet rope out the, beside the front door. Everyone can be a part. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Get to our, uh, our website. Sign up for our personal CFO program. Work with us, our accountants, our attorneys, and help you to do what you want to do in life. Build wealth. Enjoy life. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. We'll be back. You should believe in math, not magic. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski. I wrote a column back in uh, 1999 entitled uh, Icarus and the Stock Market. Most people are familiar with the uh, Greek myth about the young boy named Icarus who gets his magic, magic pair of wings allowing him to fly like a bird and father warning him not to fly too high and too close to the sun wings are going to catch fire and he's going to crash and he's going to die and of course boy lets the warning go one ear and out the other and takes off and keeps going going and going yeah again the column in of itself is talking about the highflyers.coms everybody new uh, earnings don't matter anymore new paradigm new economy all sorts of wonderful things it can never go down until it does until it does how, how do you handle all this stuff yeah let's let's, let's go back let's, let's let's you know fire up the flux capacitor on the delorean and let's go back in time let's go back in time what did you do in these situations Let's go back. Let's go to October 1987. Yeah, 30% move to the upside in 1987. 30%. But, you know, things are starting to get a little cloudy out there. Economic growth started to slow a little bit, kind of like we're seeing now. Inflation appeared to be picking up. Interest rates started to rise. The overall market price to earnings ratio climbed above 20. Yep. So we had a bad Friday. It was bad Friday, October 16th, and it had a really bad Monday. Dow fell 22.6%. Now, again, people look back at that point in time, and again, thinks it was uh, a, lot, a lot of people seem to think that the, the, the crash was because of this technique that was being used by the Wizards of Smart at that point in time, the people that were so smart 
They called it portfolio insurance. And there weren't any circuit breakers at the time that would slow the process down that you have there today. Um, from 1997, 2001, right? Mother of all speculative tech bubbles. Again, one... One 23-year-old with a goatee in the foosball table in the break room. Yeah, dot-com attached to your name. Wall Street's throwing money at you. I I remember one. I know I was talking about it. I couldn't remember the name of it. Couldn't remember the name of it. I think it was a week or two ago on on the program. Remember Cosimo. Cosimo, yeah. They would deliver Ben and Jerry's and VHS tapes to your apartment, and you would return the VHS tapes to your local Starbucks. I know the guy, the guy oh, my God, the guy's a genius. He, he worked for Goldman Sachs. And I'm looking at this piece of dog poopy, okay, because that's what it was of a business plan that was being touted. And there was many others, like, I'm picking on Cosimo right now. And I said, there's no way this thing's going to ever make money. Earnings don't matter, Chris Markowski. They don't matter. You don't understand. It's a new paradigm. Um, yes, they do. Yeah, they do. And again, what helped lead to this speculative bubble? Yeah, a lot of people selling all their non-dot-coms to buy more dot-coms. Yeah, NASDAQ over the period of time. Okay, it went 1999, the S&P rose 19.5%. NASDAQ, 856 Qualcomm rose 2,619%. There were 12 other stocks that rose over 1,000% as well. Another seven were up over 900%. March 10th, 2000, NASDAQ composite peaks at 5,048. Over the next 30 months, it dropped by 78%. What did you do? I know exactly what we did and how we were handled the entire time. It's fine. Fine. High-quality companies, companies that pay, pay dividends, compounding those yields over time. Again, fire up. What is it, 88 miles an hour? Was the, the DeLorean had to go and back to the future to, uh, to go back to the future? We're going to the Great Recession. October 2007, March of 2009, S&P down 55 percent um we've again countless articles explaining exactly what went on and again a lot of people scared end of the world right end of the world is coming oh my lord merciful what are we going to do yeah we, we i'm at that point in time, i remember that uh they the house uh defeated the white house first financial rescue package and the dow at that the moment had the largest point drop in history at that point in time yeah. Again, what did you do? How did you handle it? Did you freak out? Or did you did you show a little bit of courage, a little bit of patience? Were you smart? Again, th- these are things that happen, that are going to happen. Who I, Do I know what the markets are going to do over the short term? No. But, but I do know that quality matters, that dividends matter. Anyway, we got to take a quick break right here. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Uh, Watchdog on WallStreet.com. 
is our site. Sign up for our personal CFO program, account repair kits, all sorts of great stuff there. Watchdog on Wall Street or give us a call 800-471-5984 and again I, I forgot to I gotta remind everybody of this okay we help everybody out we help everybody out do you understand what that means okay no 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 Barkowski's we're not about oh you gotta work yeah you need 10 million dollars to work with us no everyone gets help watchdog on wallstreet.com or give us a call 800 800- Four seven one fifty nine eighty four. We'll be back. Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. <laughs> Bringing America financial freedom one listener at a time. You're listening to the Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski. Explain this in a, uh, a different way. And I explained it before like this. Um, there is no velvet rope. There's no velvet rope outside of Markowski Investments. Nope. Now, we, we don't have a security guy out at the front with a little earpiece there keeping people out. And I, I have to keep repeating myself on this because every single week, uh, it's okay. People, yeah, they'll inquire, they'll sign up. Well, I only have, uh, you know, 150, I only have 300,000. You know, I, I don't care. I don't care. One of the, um, the most rewarding things about what we do is, you know, not, it's, it's great, great, great. Somebody, you know, 15, 20 million dollars, and it's, there's a different way of handling that account than handling something that's looking to build well. You know how rewarding it is? Taking a look back over decades and seeing the type of wealth that people build and where, where they started from. Do you have any idea how rewarding that is? It is. I, I, again, I, I got to be honest. Here. I, I like what I do. I like what I do. It's, it's a great thing. The same way I like coaching kids. And, oh, look at this one is now playing Division One, And this one is now a, you know, a doctor. And what a great kid that was. It, again, that's, it's what makes it rewarding. I, I don't understand. I know it's easy. See, we're only going to cater in the part of their marketing scheme is it's kind of like the, um, the scarcity sale. Oh, you need to at least have 10 to $15 million to work with us. Whatever, man. Not, not, not who we are. Not who we will ever be. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I can talk about this uh, as well. Um, I make fun of economists all the time here on the program, but I also praise the good ones. And believe it or not, there happens again. It's just shocking, shocking. This is this is news in of itself. There, there's actually an economist at Harvard that's pretty good. And it's just few and far again. I, I'm the economist. My name is Paul Krugman. I am never right. The internet is not going to be a big deal. I mean, one idiotic thing after another. Uh, but anyway, uh, Lawrence Kotlikoff over at Harvard. Um, and it's peace because this is something that we've talked about here on the program. We put out um, several years ago, and if I'm not mistaken, you can, you can grab it at watchdogonwallstreet.com, a white paper on retirement. And again, it was 
completely against everything that you're being, you know, the marketing on TV by the, the various different brokerage firms out there. It's a reality check. And Kotlikoff, basically this week, he put out a piece talking about retirement. A, um, it talks about a Boston College Center for Retirement Research report. Half of uh, today's working families risk a major living standard decline in retirement. That share would drop by roughly 50%, okay, if all workers were to retire two years later. Think about that. An extra two years. Two-thirds of people between the ages of 57 and 66 choose to retire early out of their own volition, despite having saved next to nothing. And and most of them are able-bodied without disabilities that would prevent them from staying on the job. The baby boomer generation, 76 million, 1946 to 1964. They're retiring in droves. Almost half have little to no savings. Median wealth, 144,000. That's less than three years of median household spending. And we can talk about Social Security. Average Social Security benefit, $18,000 a year. Not to mention people, you know, I know COVID has changed the the metrics to some degree. Take a look at mortality rates, and it's not just COVID. It's also opiate overdoses, which has really skewed those numbers. Half of 50-year-olds today, half, will live beyond the age of 80. A quarter will make it to age 90. Okay, so why am I telling you all of this? Why, why are we going over all of this? There's, there's things you can do. There's things you can do, and, and it sometimes it involves a bit of a, a rethink to some degree. And we, we've been basically, you know, taught, I retire at 62, 65. Now, I get it. Certain people out there, physical limitations in, in their job, they might be tired. Sometimes psychological limitations, you get tired of certain things. It, it's okay. It's okay to get yourself another job or another career. You know, one of the things I just really ne- never seem to understand, you, you, you bust your butt your entire life. You get used to a standard of living. And, and do you want to change that when you retire? Do you want to have, I mean, do you want to worry about your, your bills or whether or not you can afford to go out to eat and enjoy yourself? In my opinion, it's no way to live. There's no way to live, and you don't have to. You don't have to. There's, there's a myriad of things you can do. So, yeah, you, you don't have to go out to dinner at 4 o'clock in the afternoon for the uh, early bird special. Get your, uh, get your preparation, get your planning done the right way. Get to our website, watchdogonwallstreet.com, watchdogonwallstreet.com, personal CFO program. All sorts of great stuff. Our our podcast as well. Make sure you sign up for that as well. It's going like gangbusters. Watchdogonwallstreet.com or give us a call 800-471-5984. Taking Wall Street's liars, crooks, and cheats out behind the woodshed. You're listening to the Watchdog on Wall Street. Welcome back. If you take a look at um, 
every asset class. Every asset class out there. And uh, Jeremy Siegel from the Wharton School, um, he's, he, he constantly puts out these charts and he compares. You compare the currency, you can compare gold, you can compare uh, bonds, stocks, and going back over 200 years. It's not even close. It's not even close. Stocks outperform everything. Everything. And one of the things, one of the things that they don't tell you, don't like to tell you, is that the bulk of stock market returns, the bulk of stock market returns over time, quite frankly, reinvesting dividends. Reinvesting dividends. I, I call it old school investing. I guess it's old, old at this point in time. It gets, people forget about it. I remember um, this one. This is like 2004. 2004. Microsoft. Microsoft issues, starts issuing a dividend. It's changed a bit of the nature of the company, did it not? More of a foundational technology piece. 2012. Apple. Apple decides they're going to start issuing a dividend. Again changes the nature of the company um google this past week uh, you, you take a look at their numbers they're off the charts they're off the charts and you have to understand the myriad of businesses that google is involved with and the various different streams of money that they have pouring in again a lot of people don't even fully understand it when it comes to amazon as well um wouldn't surprise me wouldn't surprise me. I know they did 20 for one stock split. And again, I think that this is the right move. I think Google should start issuing a dividend. And, you know, quite frankly, I think it might get some of the, the regulators and some of the politicians off their back. Because, again, there's a lot of politicians. Politicians are like bank robbers. They are. Politicians are like bank robbers. What was that? I don't know who said it. Some bank robber said that, uh, you know, has asked, why do you rob banks? Because that's where the money is. The politicians, they go to big companies. That's where the money is. But if you change the nature of your company and your company becomes more of a retirement piece, a foundation in retirement plans because it's issuing dividends, changes things. Now, I know a lot of people got smacked upside the head this past week. Questions in regards to AT&T cutting their dividend in half. Uh People, when you see dividends of eight and a half, nine percent, um, you, you got to be a little bit careful there, my friends. Okay, something's a bit of a miss. And despite, funny thing is, despite the fact that they're cutting their dividend in half, it's still going to be one of the largest ones being issued. Anyway, got to take a break. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. We'll be back. This is the Watchdog on Wall Street. There is freedom within. There is freedom without. Not a week goes by. Not a week goes by where my uh, inbox is filled. Uh, filled with uh, all sorts of ripoffs, scams, fraud, things that are happening all over the country. 
here, there, and everywhere. And, and it's on social media investment scams, crypto scams, big brokerage scams. And again, um, people, I, I, I get this across. I know I you know, try to repeat myself. Get rich quick con artists, the world's second oldest profession. We all know what the oldest profession is. World's second oldest profession, get rich quick con artists. And they get you. They, how do they get you? How do they go? How do they get you? How do they, they reel you in? What type of bait do they use? Greed and fear. Greed, or I should say greed or fear. Either they, they, they get you convinced that they can get you rich quick and do all sorts of wonderful things and make you wealthy, or they scare you. Scare you. Tell you if you don't you know, do what they tell you to do, you're going to lose it all. Same thing. Again and again and again. Um, I, and I, I invite each and every one of you. And, and these are the, um, quite frankly, these are the, uh, uh, these are the emails and these are the things that we respond to very, very quickly. Because they're time, they're really, really time sensitive. People concerned. People concerned about, you know, whether or not something is real or not. We, we get to you right away. At some point in time, people... Okay, you, you have to start taking responsibility. You have to stop being a victim. Over the years here on the program, we've highlighted countless examples of ripoffs, scams, fraud conducting by the big investment firms out there. Yet people still have accounts there. Why? I, I, again, you can, you can go do your homework. Go to my website. I've got archive stories going back. Decades. Wall Street fraud. The big firms, what they did. Wells Fargo, it's a couple years ago. Again, forging signatures on documents and fleecing people for fees. Their money management division is garbage. Garbage. Why do you, why do you still work with them? Did you know Wells Fargo? <laughs> Wells Fargo, they, they, they were sued like they often are, by unhappy clients. And they actually manipulated the arbitration process. Yeah. They, they actually got involved in, in messing around with the arbitrators and the arbitration process, almost like fixing it. It's like fixing a jury. Is this somebody that you think that you should be doing business with? Come on, people. Come on. Okay? Um, again, you have to take some responsibility. Saw so this story this past week. Uh, yeah. Payments to U.S. brokers surged amid meme stock and options boom. That's right. Earnings from selling their customers' order flow to electronic trading firms rose 33 percent three almost four billion dollars almost four billion dollars now again people oftentimes they don't even understand this what do you mean what do you mean to sell the order flow i don't understand what that means i get my free trades i get my free trades at chucky schwab and uh online firm and robin hood oh they're free are they you think so huh H how do they keep the lights on 
How do they keep the lights on? And um, they love, you know, getting people signed up and they sell these your orders to these major trading firms. Why would somebody want to buy that? Why, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they just, you know, conduct the trades themselves? Well, you know what? What you're doing, what you're doing is very valuable. Very valuable to the citadels of the world. Because they can front run what you are doing. You get it? They have, you guys think this is like fantasy. They have supercomputers that trade in milliseconds. They understand where the flows are going. They, they know what you're going to do before you even do it, for crying out loud. You understand what this artificial intelligence does at some of these trading firms and alerting you to what's going on? And then they can figure out what you can do. Do you understand how they can manipulate all of that? You can't. Do you understand? You can't. You are going to lose. I explained it last week, okay? I explained it last week. And I was making fun of myself. I said, you know, I, I, I love boxing. I love taking a title boxing classes. I love hitting a heavy bag. Okay, just because I, I've done that and you know for a while doesn't mean I have any business whatsoever getting in the ring with somebody who really knows what the hell they're doing. That part of the game, that part of Wall Street, that's, yeah, that's pretty much rigged against you. So what's the point in playing that game or getting involved with that if it's rigged against you and you're going to lose? It's stupidity. You don't have to do that. Yeah, do you know again the amount of youngsters out there that have been, again blew it all? Oh, I was rich on my this stock. I was ri- I was rich. I've heard this before. Same people. And I was loaded with all these dot-com stocks. Now you're wallpapering your bathroom with those certificates. Again, people, you need to, to do things the right way. You need to understand what the markets are and what they can do for you, what they can achieve. It's a phenomenal tool for building wealth. Not building wealth overnight, but building wealth over time. Become a part of our watchdog on Wall Street, Family Markowski Investments. Sign up for our personal CFO program right there at our site. Learn how to navigate financial storms, corrections, and all this volatility. That's what we do. Watchdogonwallstreet.com. Sign up for all the great stuff there or give us a call, 800-471-5984. This Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. Well-known author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, trainer, Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. You want answers? Exposing the lies and myths that the big brokerage firms, the mainstream press, and the government are pushing to keep Americans away from financial freedom. You can't handle the truth. Bringing America the truth about what really happens in the financial world. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not here to indulge in fantasy, but in political and economic reality. This is the Watchdog on Wall Street. 
Welcome back, everybody. One of the, one of the things that we really, we really try to encourage here on the program, in case you're, you're not aware of it yet, is we want people to become critical thinkers. We want people to become critical thinkers. So it's, you know what? You're listening to my program today, and I say something or I'm talking about something, and it doesn't sit right with you. Well, guess what? Guess what? We all have the power of gods today with these uh, smartphones that we have. Um, unfortunately, you know, too many people decide that they're just there to take pictures of themselves. You can look things up. You you can do your homework. Mark, I, I want to make sure that he's accurate on this. And you can go find out for yourself. You can go to a myriad of different sources. We want people to be critical thinkers. And, and one of the things that I suggest people do, especially when listening to this program, can you, you have to have an open mind. And I, I, I'm an open book here. There's no doubt about I have my conservative tendencies, and I'm most certainly a libertarian. I believe in the United States Constitution. I do. I do. I, I don't know. They're probably, gonna, you know, probably on some government list because I say it all the time. I love the founders. I love the Constitution. I hate government. I hate them. They're, they're part of the axis of evil. My axis of evil. Politicians, government, bureaucracy, big business, and the media. They work hand in hand to further their needs. But again, I can yell and scream about this. We can talk about this here on the program. It's our collective fault that we're in this position we're in. We continue to put these people back in Washington, back in power. You know, I, I talk about being an equal opportunity basher here on the program. You, you should see some of the emails that I get over the course of the week. You know, if I if I start going after Trump or some of the things that he did, oh my God! You should see the you know, nasty emails. People, this is not um, this is not a sport. Okay, this is not, you don't choose a team. You're not Yankees, Red Sox, okay, Democrats, Republicans, donkeys, elephants. You don't do that. You don't worship politicians. We're supposed to be a nation of laws, not of men. Now, with, with that being said, um, I'm, I'm, watching, I'm watching stuff, but I'm seeing these politicians out there point fingers and, and place blame. Um, Elizabeth Warren this past week. Elizabeth Warren this past week blamed grocery store chains for the higher prices of food. Blamed grocery store chains. Now, if you're not familiar with that business, you're talking about margins that are 1% or lower. 1% or lower. She's blaming grocery store chains for the higher prices of food. Now, either, either Elizabeth Warren is dumb as a box of rocks, or she's a sociopath. It's, it's one or the other. We, we have inflation, people, because we're spending too much damn money 
government has grown and grown and grown. And it's not just the Biden administration. The Biden administration wanted to up the Trump administration after the Trump administration spent God knows how much money. What are we up to? Five trillion dollars? Five trillion dollars in COVID relief programs. You remember how this started? Fifteen days to stop the spread. Here we are. Case after case after case. What a joke. And again, all you needed to be was a critical thinker and start doing homework on respiratory diseases and all that stuff and understand exactly what was going to happen. But we'll talk about that later on the program. But we've been through this before when it comes to inflation. Growing the size of government in the 70s. Stupid wars. Vietnam. Afghanistan. Spending money we do not have. Jimmy Carter you know, realized that he had to do something, and he, he again, he, he put his best foot forward when it comes to, came to deregulation of airlines and railroads and trucking, and he was the one that appointed Paul Volcker, chairman of the Federal Reserve. Started seeing a change, had more conservative Democrats being elected to Congress. But uh, the, the reality of the situation is it wasn't until Reagan came in Reagan came in, and Paul Volcker went ahead, and he did what he needed to do. Did what he needed to do and raised rates and crushed inflation right there. That, that my friends, that, that can't happen today simply because we're so far into debt. I, I know we, we talked about this before on the program. I want to go over it again, okay? We just raised the debt ceiling, putting it close to $31 trillion, we have to pay interest on that $31 trillion. That's a part of our annual budget. What happens when interest rates rise? Most of our debt is in short-term instruments. Means they they got to pay off and then you have to borrow the money again. The best way I've been able to explain this to people, I want you to think of it as paying off one credit card with another credit card and then adding more, buying more. Because, again, they debt ceiling, we raise the debt ceiling. There's no limit. They keep spending. So what happens when that credit card, the new credit card that you're buying stuff with, let's say the interest rate is higher. Well, then more of your money has to be spent on interest payments. <laughs> People, there's nothing. I mean, the Fed is, is in a box right now. The Fed has been in a box because the Fed became, quite frankly, it became political over the past couple decades and then some. They work with government, print more money. Government wants to spend more. We, the people, demand more spending. I want more. Send me checks. Spend more money. And, and this this is the situation that we're in. This is where, again, your, your cash is trash. You're losing money. Another way, good way of looking at it, quite frankly, my friends, is inflation's a tax. That's all it is. It's just another tax. So you take a look at the taxes that you pay. Why don't you add another 10% plus on top of it? 
Because th- that's that's what you're getting. That's what it is. Anyway, um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I mentioned last hour, talking about the Bitcoin scam, whatever it was, uh, with Kim Kardashian and Paul Pierce and uh, Floyd Mayweather and all these other celebrities that got involved with it. Um, crypto prices have come down and got a lot of freaked out people that went all in. All in. Again, these are not obviously not clients of ours. We would never allow this to happen. Not on our watch. People that bought in 55, 60, 70,000 for Bitcoin, and now it's came down, went below 40,000, bouncing around down there. Um, this is part of the problem, people. Coin currency, it's not. Do you understand? It's not a currency. The only the only global currency that moves to that great of a degree, at least recently, has been the Turkish lira. And it's not even close to the movements that these cryptos make. I, I want to reiterate something, people. The idea that this is some sort of viable method of exchange is crazy. It's crazy. People are going to buy stuff. And again, they do it for publicity reasons. So-and-so is now taking cryptocurrencies for this, for payment for this. They just had a free PR. That's all it was. They, they know that most of the traction, uh, uh, um, transactions are not going to come in in that form. They're well aware of that. People, I, again, I, they're saying, oh, crypto could go to a million. It, you know, it could. It could. You know, it, it's, it's worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. I, I, I remember I talked about this. <laughs> I talked about this, uh, what was it, last, last year at some point in time. I, um, we were moving and, uh, I found my, my big box of baseball cards. Found my big box of baseball cards and I've got some great cards. And I was going through with my son and we're taking a look at, wow, where is Mickey Mantle and what's that worth? And Willie Mays and what's this one worth? Oh, wow, Phil Rizzuto, 1956. I wonder what that one's worth. And it was a great, teachable moment for my kids i said you know Stephen, the book says it's worth this the book says it's worth this it's only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it that's all that's what it's worth okay and at some point in time if somebody says i want to pay a million for cryptocurrency and it's a finite amount of zero somebody's going to pay for it that, that, that's something, you know, these are things that I can't judge. I can't value. I can take a look at a company. I can take a look at its prospects. I can take a look at management. I can take a look at its business plan. And I can put a value on that. If anybody actually tells you that they can put a value on zero. Again, what did they, what was the song there in Jaws, Quint? Farewell and adieu to you, fair Spanish ladies. Yeah. Anyway, um, watchdogonwallstreet.com. That's our website. Become a part of the Watchdog on Wall Street family, our personal CFO program. Take advantage of all the great stuff we have. Watchdogonwallstreet.com or give us a call, 800-471-5984. This is the Watchdog on Wall Street. 
Ah, Wang Chung. Great 80s tune. Welcome back, everybody. It is the Watchdog on Wall Street Show. Um, I, I, I want to get into it's, it's not so much politics. It's just kind of America today, life today in, in this country. And I, I did discuss this on the podcast this past week. We got into this to some degree. And again, I, I want to invite everybody, my, my terrestrial listeners, uh, our podcast is growing in leaps and bounds. Thousands and thousands of, of new people every single week. Um, you can learn more about our podcast. Go to our website, watchdogonwallstreet.com. Put points in the right direction. You can sign up uh, for it there. Um, and, and let me just tell you, I, I keep it short and sweet. I keep it short and sweet. We go after any type of garbage that's being thrown at you. We call out BS. And I try to keep it around a half an hour, Monday through Friday. But anyway, anyway, um, I, I had a, a thought this past week and i don't know if it was a again you kind of sometimes you have a thought in your mind and you sometimes you're not sure whether or not you should feel bad about that idea or thought in your mind and i I was to me i was thinking about the, the country splitting the country splitting and you know breaking apart in some way and kind of laughing. I think a lot of these northern states and into New England, maybe they should just join Canada for crying out loud or maybe throw California into the mix. And whether or not I would be upset if something like that happened. And I'm being honest because that's the name. I said, what I, no, I guess I, I wouldn't off the top of my head care. I know it's wrong. But the reality of this, the situation is, people, is we, we live in a big country. We do. It's a big country. And there are different pockets in different places, you know, with different values, systems, and you can decide where you want to live. And this was the beauty of the United States Constitution. It, it was states' rights. What was the, the fact that you could decide what state you want to live in later on in the program. We're going to talk about California. California's got a push now for universal health care. They're so flush with cash, so flush with cash, with all the government handouts and giveaways that they want to start a universal health care system. But that's California. And we'll get into the taxes that go along with that. But, you know, we, we are breaking apart in ways that, that I, I don't like, that I don't. It's, it's become almost third world uh, in nature. It really is. In many ways, and I remember, geez, this is this is going back 2007, 2008. I'm being highly critical of the Bush administration at that time. And Republican spending and bridges to nowhere. And I, I compared I compared our country to a third world nation. And I remember we, we play the uh, Romancing the Stone song by Eddie Grant. Remember that 1980s movie with... Uh, Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner. That was a good one. Third world nation. And it's most certainly the case. You had the Speaker of the House come out and basically say, ah, we're a free market economy. Oh, yeah, we politicians should be able to trade stocks the way we want. But they're not trading stocks like everybody else. They're cheating. This is something that we've covered here on the program for years. Peter Schweitzer wrote a 
book about this back in like 2011, 2012. What did they do? Oh, and it was made the news. They came up with some, some new legislation, the Stock Act, that was supposed to prevent politicians from insider trading. It had no teeth whatsoever. It was absolutely useless, and they continue to do it. Think about, think about the type of investing power that you have. If all of a sudden you know where government is going to be spending money, now, there's a big kahuna out there. They're the big spender. We all know that. They decide, well, who's getting certain contracts? And you're able to go ahead and buy stock in those companies before everybody else because that information is not public. If I were to do that, I would go to jail. Again, think of it, the movie Wall Street. Blue Star Airlines, right? Bud Fox's dad works for the airline and he finds out that they've got a favorable ruling on a court case involving a crash the plaintiffs don't know bud fox goes into gordon gecko's office gives him his picks gordon gecko laughs at him then all of a sudden bud fox breaks bad and does what he's not supposed to do gives insider information on this company do you understand these people in D.C. operate and do this all the time. I was actually asked to, to go on a television program this past week to talk about John Ossoff from uh, Georgia. And he wants to uh, he wants to basically put an end to that, which again, it's not going to happen. My opinion, all of the, the all of their money should go into blind trusts, but uh, they're making way too much money. But it doesn't matter, even if Ossoff's bill passes. They're trying to get Republicans to sign on, and some of them are looking to do it. Even if it passes, even if it goes into a blind trust, do you think it's going to matter? Do you think it's going to matter? I, I, I went to a fundraiser. It's a true story. Fundraiser in Florida for a state politician. State politician, and I'm talking with this, this guy, and he's, there, he's, already, you know, he's already in Tallahassee. And he knows that they're going to be spending certain money on rest areas and highways. And he's talking about how he's investing in certain construction companies to benefit from that. And I'm like, what? I, th I threw up in my mouth a little bit and I left. That's wrong. They always find a way. Remember Dennis Haster, Speaker of the House, the wrestling coach? He got in trouble for uh, abusing little boys. Republican Speaker of the House. How does a wrestling, high school wrestling coach become a multi, multi, multi-millionaire? They all become multi, multi, multi-millionaires because they take advantage of their position, which is wrong. But we allow it to happen. I remember reading about, um, you know, other presidents leaving office. Wouldn't even, wouldn't, wouldn't even take any stationery from the office. Refusing. Refusing to make any money or profit off of what, what they've done. Having to move back in with their mother-in-law. This is the way it's supposed to be. What we've created is a third world situation. And again, we're the only ones that can correct it. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Become a part of the Watchdog on Wall Street family. Take advantage of all the great stuff we have. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. We'll be back. Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street.
only man who is taking on the Wall Street establishment. You're listening to The Watchdog at Wall Street with Chris Markowski. I've, I've talked about uh, people in government, most people. You know, they talk, talk about the 1%. And it's less than 1% are actually good guys. Less than 1%. I, I honestly do believe that. I think most of them just had an ethical bypass at birth. Another uh, another Wall Street bit that just popped into my mind was uh, when Bud Fox's dad, Martin Sheen, you know, he was, you know, basically tells his son, I, I don't go to bed with any whore and I don't wake up with any whore. That's how I live with myself. I don't know how you do it, kid. I, I bring this up. I, I was thinking about this past week. You want to just, just see how disgusting Washington is? They had a January 6th thing, right, going on. Nancy Pelosi, moment of silence. You know who's on the floor? Dick Cheney with his daughter. Standing. And you're watching Dick Cheney shaking hands, putting his arm around all of these Democrats that are there. Dick Cheney, who, in my opinion, war criminal. War criminal. And again, the the type of power that the Bush administration grabbed from Congress and what they did with it disgusts me. And we can argue about that with blue in the face. It's a war criminal. Darth Vader, they used to call him. The Democrats hated him. He was the constant target all the time. Now, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he's their buddy because of the the January 6th stuff. If that doesn't tell you, again, it doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. If it doesn't just tell you how screwed up these people are, I I don't know. I don't know what will. Anyway, we got to get into some uh, domestic policy Domestic policy rundown here, some things I wanted to talk about. I, I saw this story, a petition. And again, this is this type of journalism that we have today, lack thereof. This is off CNBC. Petition for $2,000 monthly stimulus checks has 3 million signatures. Americans need some certainty, says restaurateur, who started it. And in this, this article, the 3 million signatures, Talking about people need certainty to make their rent and certainty for this and certainty for that. Certainty? Uh, All due respect, okay, since when is it my responsibility to make sure your rent is paid? Why is it my responsibility it is now for your health care? Why is it my responsibility? How about taking some personal responsibility and stop playing the damn covid card please spare me the country is awash in help wanted signs wherever you go <laughs> funny thing is funny thing is the restaurant tours actually started this petition complaining oh no we might have to shut down due to covid and blah or the restaurant is in denver Later on in the article, they find out that they're running the restaurant remotely from Vermont. <laughs> yeah, I- I'm sorry. Okay, you know, you might if somebody doesn't show up because of COVID. You might want to be there to wash dishes. I'm just saying, man. Anyway, um, again, like we haven't spent enough money—five trillion dollars. Um, Biden's 
administration is saying, we're going to need more. We need more. More cowbell. Yes, we're going to need more COVID spending. That's right. More checks going out to more businesses. No, you know what we need? Is to take your stupid COVID strategy and put it where the sun don't shine. Because it didn't work. At some point in time, we've got to move on. We have to learn to live with this because it's not going away. More money is not going to solve the problem. Again, you, you printed $5 trillion of it. You flew a helicopter over the country. You dropped it. How'd that work out for everybody? Did it solve anything? No. No, no, no. Yeah, administration, Pelosi, they're going to have, because they're going to have to raise the debt ceiling again in February. But they don't have enough money. They got to borrow more. Got to borrow more. Got to print more money. They want to tie to the debt ceiling thing. They want more checks. More money. Well, you think this is, this is going to be helpful when it comes to, uh, inflation? No. No, I don't think so. Anyway. Um, I got a lot more of these things I got to go over. I just take a look at the clock. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take a break here and we'll get back into this when I get back. Again, I, I invite each and every one of you to become a part of the Watchdog and Wall Street Family Personal CFO Program, our podcast, account repair kits, college planning kits, annuity help kits, all of this stuff right there at our website, watchdogonwallstreet.com, or give us a call, 800-471-5984. You should believe in math, not magic. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski. Welcome back, everybody. I forget how much a genius Whitney Houston was as well. Watchdog on Wall Street.com. Welcome back. All right. Um, again, I, you know, just, I'm not a math mathematical genius by any stretch of the imagination I, I i did i i struggled with mass math i put the work in and i was a solid b minus to b math student where my my brother matthew that he majored in that and i i, I could never do that. i'd rather stick a hot poker in my eye uh, it fa- i found it difficult in math class uh you know to have my head not hit the table with drool coming out the side of my mouth it always put me to sleep but anyway Neither here nor there. Um, I, I basic algebra. I, I got that down. Got that down. It, it's amazing today that people, that, you know, their inability to actually just you know pick up a calculator. Saw this story. More than half a million Americans unhoused. The U.S. is still struggling to solve the homelessness crisis. And CNBC, the wizards are smart over there. The COVID pandemic caused a surge in housing costs and a rise in unemployment. And they're saying 600,000 Americans are unhoused in 2020. What people don't typically realize when they walk past a person who's homeless is that person is costing taxpayers a lot of money. Um, they, They put in this article some numbers. New York City spent, New York City alone spent $3 billion to support its homeless population. California allocated 4.8 billion 
So I started thinking to myself, okay, well, you know, right now that's, you know, seven, almost eight billion dollars. I said, you know, how much, how much the federal government spend? Federal government spent seven point two billion dollars. Wow, we're up to we're up to fifteen billion. Up to fifteen billion dollars, six hundred thousand Americans on house, and that's just New York City, California. And the federal government. Every state spends money on homelessness, right? Well, if we just took the money spent by the federal government, New York City, and California, you just play with a calculator. That amounts to $25,000 per person who is homeless. And that doesn't include all of the money that was spent. I give you government. How is that acceptable? How is that not the story? How do these journalists not see that? How is that not the story? We're spending ungodly sums of money for what result? You still got 600,000 people, $25,000 per homeless person. That's, again, just from those three places. It's much, much more than that. Again, stupidity. Anyway, um, you know, I, I want to I touch on this one right now. I was going to maybe save this for some of the foreign policy stuff, but I, I think it's important. Um, and I'm vehemently against what Ted Cruz is doing and some of these Republicans are doing when it comes to this Nord Stream 2 and the sanctions that they want to put on Russia because of Nord Stream 2. Shame on you people. I'm going to be honest with you. Shame on you. I, we're supposed to be a capitalist country. We're supposed to be a country that believes in business. The nation of Germany, their, their, their sovereign nation, they decided that they wanted to have a pipeline going from Russia to Germany, and they want the gas to flow in that direction. Now, it might tick us off because it might mess up some of our geopolitical stuff, and while well, we're defending you with NATO, and you shouldn't do that, but that's a conversation we have with them. If they decide not to do it, it's none of our damn business. At some point in time, we've got to understand that certain things are just none of our damn business and stay the hell out of it. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. I may revisit that a little bit later on in the program, but we got a lot we got to go over. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. We shall return. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street. Bringing America financial freedom one listener at a time. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski. Welcome back, everybody. It is The Watchdog on Wall Street Show. Again, um, file this under stupid is as stupid does. Um, you got 41 Democrats. They're very upset. Very upset. They want they want federal regulations. We need federal regulations to lower heating prices. Again, either they're really stupid, which is a possibility, or they're sociopaths. Their regulations have driven heating prices up. Yeah, you got 41 members of Congress. Well, increases in heating and energy costs. What is this going to do to our constituents? Uh, gee, I, I don't know. Maybe putting a stop to drill, baby, drill 
and getting rid of and not allowing pipelines to occur, that might be a bit of a problem. You know, as funny is that this letter, you've got those uh, useless idiots, Ed Markey, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, the whole progressive caucus. They hate oil. They hate gas, for crying out loud. But not now, all of a sudden, they, they, they want the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission to influence retail rates for natural gas and electricity? Are you out of your mind? Do you know that natural gas, because of the, the lack of pipelines in Massachusetts, natural gas is often delivered right into Boston Harbor from Russia, liquefied natural gas? Yeah, I, I kid you not. Kid you not. Um, you know, to quote, uh, to quote Sarah Palin, drill, baby, drill. Drill, baby, drill. You did this to yourself. And again, fix it. Ugh, control it. No, it's, it's the free market. And this is the thing. You, you people think you can control the free market. You can't. You can't. You did this to yourselves. And it's funny, Massachusetts as well. I, I remember this. This is going back 20, 20 years ago. Oh, they were going to put a wind farm there off of Cape Cod or Nantucket or something like that. Oh, my God, the Kennedys and John Kerry, they, they threw a hissy fit. No way! They didn't want to look at those windmills. <laughs> uh, yeah, Joe, Joe Biden really stepped in it this past week. And then the number one issue in the country, it's much greater than COVID, inflation. But the, uh, the left seems to think it's voting rights. Voting rights. Let me put it to you this way. Um, it's easier for me to vote than it is for me to get into a restaurant in New York City. Voting right. I know it's real difficult here in the United States to vote. Oh, it's so hard. You know, God forbid you you have to go to a polling place someday. Oh, shucky done. It's so, so hard. <laughs> it's a joke. It really is. Biden gives this speech and he starts um starts comparing people that that disagree with him you disagree with joe biden you are george wallace you you disagree with joe biden you're bull connor you disagree with joe biden you are jefferson davis yeah the funny thing is is even the the democrats the lefties out there saying whoa joe you're kind of you're kind of going off the deep end there al sharpton Al Sharpton's like, uh, no, no, don't do this. Don't, don't give the, the, you're going to hell speech. Please don't do that. Again, who, who writes this stuff? We, we have a thing in this country called states' rights. States' rights. States want to do things a certain way. Let them do things a certain way. If you don't see the possibility, you don't see the, the possibility for various different types of fraud when it comes to drop boxes and mail-in voting and all this other stuff. Come on, people. Come on. Again, either you're really dumb or, quite frankly, um, you know what? You're a sociopath. It's one or the other. Anyway, I mentioned this earlier on in the program. California! I got lots of, lots of money right now, and they're going to spend it. No, they're not going to return it to the taxpayers. No, 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 no. They are going to spend it. They want to get rid of Medicare and Medicaid. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to get everything, all of the health care that you want, unless, of course, unless, of course, they, they deem you not worthy. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, panels. Panels. Again, Sarah Palin again. Remember Sarah Palin talking about death panels? Oh, it's just so over the top. Well, again, Universal Health in California. You want a hip replacement? You want a hip replacement and this, uh, again, unelected panels, bureaucrats, think that you're too old? You ain't get it. Guess what? Guess what? There's not going to be any private option in the state. So you're going to have to get in your car and you're going to have to travel to Arizona to get the work done, and then you're going to have to pay for it. Now, I'm, I'm not making this up. This is what they want to do. This is what they want to do. And, and again, you take a look at the taxes. 2.3% excise tax on business with more than $2 million in annual gross receipts. That's on revenue, by the way. That's on revenue. Again, um, either they're dumb or they're sociopaths. Certain businesses have certain margins. Again, grocery stores have a very low margin. How do you think it's going to affect them? Yeah, revenues, not profits. Another 1.25% payroll tax on employers with 50 or more workers. Workers earning more than 50000 have to pay an additional 1% payroll tax. The effective income tax on wage earners making more than 61000 is 11.5%. That's more than millionaires pay in every state in the union except New York. I can go on and on and on and on. I can't about all the taxes and what this is going to do. But again, um, and again, I, I've got a lot of listeners in California. I've got a lot of stations in California, and, and I love y'all. I do. But I don't live there. I don't live there. If the state of California wants to do this to itself, if they want to, again, shoot themselves in the foot because doctors are going to leave en masse, businesses are going to leave en masse, have at it. Have at it. I, 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 you know, a lot of these places haven't hit rock bottom with their stupidity yet. If you want to do that, again, states' rights. Have at it, California. See how it works out as more people continue to move to Texas, Arizona, and Florida. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. Well-known author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, trader. Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. You want answers? Exposing the lies and myths that the big brokerage firms, the mainstream press, and the government are pushing to keep Americans away from financial freedom. You can't handle the truth. Bringing America the truth about what really happens in the financial world. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not here to indulge in fantasy, but in political and economic reality. This is the Watchdog on Wall Street. I you know, talked a little bit about the we talked about wage inflation and how I'm just not a you know, big believer that that's the cause of all of our problems. I just think it's absolutely absurd, it's ridiculous. As far as I'm concerned, we we got what seven point five percent CPI print. It's the highest we've had since 1982. We we had a tight labor market prior to COVID. Wages were rising 
prior to COVID. That's a reality. That's a reality. And, and things are not like they are right now. You, you take a look at fuel costs up close to 10%. Fuel costs up 10% last month. That, that filters into everything. Everything. And what do we get out of the Biden administration? We're going to spend $5 billion on EV charging stations. Honestly, I get it. You want to build out. We want to build out EV charging stations. Quite frankly, I don't know why the government has to do that. I don't, you know, if it was worthwhile, why wouldn't gas stations make that a part of what they do. I, I don't know. I, again, why does the government need to subsidize this? The government needs to subsidize it. I, I'm not a big believer in it. All of these things, all of this government spending, it's waste. Do you understand? It's waste. We printed over $5 trillion. That money is floating around. That's why there's inflation. This is self-inflicted crap. Anyway, anyway, I, I did last hour finished up with a quick little COVID thing about the free tests. Um, I, I did want to want to touch on a, a couple of things here. Did you did you see how that entire report, the entire report that was done? Basing, saying that, hey, listen, all of these lockdowns, they didn't work. They didn't do anything. They didn't do a damn thing. It was a complete waste. Did you understand that that report put out by Johns Hopkins was completely ignored? Completely ignored. Are you watching right now as the powers that be, the people that have been wrong the entire time, are trying to shift right now the narrative? Trying to shift the narrative when it comes to uh, COVID and the pandemic. You know, I, I I always, you know, when there's something out there that is supposedly new, right? It's new. It's kind of like how they, uh, you know, the Mad Men there. It's new and improved. Um, do you think that respiratory diseases, pandemics are, are new? They're not. They might, they might be new to us, might be new to us and the people that didn't experience the, the Spanish flu. Or again, there was, you know, the, there was a bit of a, a pandemic in the late 1960s as well. Yet we decided, you know, what was new was our response. Was our response to this. We didn't look to history. We didn't even try to understand the past. And if you fail to do that, you fail to, to, to you know to study your history, you just you're just doomed for failure. Everything waste. Wait, I, I think about it right now. I think about all of the masks that people have worn. How many masks have you worn over the past couple of years, ending up in some landfill somewhere? It's it's kind of gross if you actually think about it. It depresses me. You see them on the side of the side of the road, and I just oh, awful. And again, you get the powers that be out there. That that did you what, did you see? Did you see the mayor of uh, Los Angeles? Again, um, they were at the they were at the big football game there. 
Yeah, they're at SoFi. Rams, Rams going to the Super Bowl. When they were there at the game and they're in a luxury box, you had the mayor of San Francisco. Mayor of San Francisco. I don't even know how you have the cojones, okay, to take a day off to even go see a game with the condition of your cities. It's pathetic is what it is. And then you, you got uh, you got Garcetti there, and he got caught. They got caught taking pictures with Magic Johnson. Gavin Newsom's there, too. All, they're, all of them not wearing masks. You know what Garcetti said? You know what Garcetti said? He said, I was holding my breath during a picture taken. These people say this stuff with a straight face. They say it with a straight face. At some point in time, people, okay, at some point in time, you have to stop voting for ridiculous candidates. I don't care if they're an elephant or a donkey. Does it make any difference? I'm not a member of a party. Again, I'm a free thinker. Uh, libertarian, believe in the United States Constitution, all that good stuff. But you have to stop voting for ridiculous people because you're supposed to. Because that's what that's the party told me to. No, no, this, this person is ridiculous. Anyway, I um, one of the things we, we try to do here on the program is try to tackle also societal issues things in regards to our country, the world around us, making this country um, stronger and try to come up with solutions to these problems. Again, and these are things that you can you know, talk amongst yourselves, bring these ideas home. If you want to debate me on this, I- I'd love to hear what you have to say. And one serious, one major hot button issue over the past uh, several years that we've talked about, and I do get blowback from many people on this, is, is immigration. And how we go about handling immigration. What's happening at the border. And it's it's disgusting right now. It is. It's disgusting. And border agents are getting upset because they, they know they're releasing criminals. Criminals into the United States. Well, I, I want to talk about this proposal that has been put forward by six House Republicans. Uh, I got Maria Salazar from Florida. And uh, six House Republicans. They've introduced, and again, this is what the right of center media calls it. They call it an amnesty bill. Amnesty bill for illegal aliens. Can't have that. And then you get the, you know, the people within the Republican Party. This is a non-starter. We can't do that. Numbers USA, which is a uh, right of center polling group. No, this is out of step. We are in the middle of a historic border surge. And her response is to propose the largest amnesty in history. This, uh, and I'm going to get into what she's proposing here. And I want you to think about it. Her legislation is entitled the, it's called the Dignity Act. And it would make uh, anywhere between 11 to 22 million currently illegal aliens eligible for green cards. And eventually naturalized American citizenship. Now, you call this, that's amnesty, you're giving it, no, amnesty, <laughs> amnesty, it is, it's free, you're done, you have it. This is not that, okay? Before you get your underwear in a bunch, okay, take a couple steps back, take a deep breath, and listen to what they're proposing. This is a 15 year process 
You could become a brain surgeon in a shorter period of time than this process. You do understand that. A 15-year process. What, what, it, what it does is this. Okay, first and foremost, it makes, makes all the, the illegals, it gives them resident status. Okay, resident status to about 1.5 to 3.5 million illegal aliens that um, were part of that DACA program. Other illegal aliens would be eligible. Okay, follow along here. Ten-year work visas. Ten-year work visas as long, first and foremost, okay, you have to pass a criminal background check. And you have to pay a $10,000 fine. That's a decent chunk of change. It's not free. Is that amnesty? No, but it's, it's not it. Okay? You're not allowed. You're not allowed to receive any public welfare if you are in this 10-year program or you're out. Again, why do people come to the United States? Okay, I've discussed this. Many occasion here on the program. Why do people come here? Either coming for work, they're coming for work, or they're coming to get free stuff. Okay? So, again, you're eliminating the free stuff here. You get free stuff, guess what? You're gone. Now, after 10 years, 10 years of holding your work visa, then you have to go through a five-year program to secure green cards and naturalized American citizenship. Now, what do you have to do along this five-year program? You have to take classes. You have to take civics courses. You have to pay more in fines. And you have to conduct community service. This amnesty? You you can can rob a bank in New York, okay, and you're getting off a hell of a lot easier. It's not amnesty. This is, you're showing you want to be here. And for the life of me, I, I, I don't understand people's, why, why people are against, I, I really don't. I really, part of their plan, too, is also, you know, putting the wall up. Finishing the wall, even though I think that that's a waste of money. They also talk about their plan, E-Verify, which we've discussed for a long time. Forcing employers to make sure that you're hiring people that have those work permits. People, they're, they're right now, again. There's two job openings for every person looking for work. You, you, might we want to fill some of those jobs? Is this so bad? Because, again, what's, what's the status quo? We're going to continue to do the same thing over and over again, expect different results? I, I, again, I think that this is this 15-year program is a great opportunity to groom some Americans. Again, feel free to disagree. Sound off. Send me a send me a nasty message. Do whatever you want. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com is our site. Again, become a part of the Watchdog on Wall Street family, our personal CFO program, podcast, all sorts of great stuff. Watchdog on WallStreet.com or give us a call 800 471 5984. You should believe in math, not magic. 
You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski. Yeah, it's uh, funny. Uh, you know, there's a theory that was, it's not even a theory, okay? It's not even a theory. It, it's, it, to me, I, I equate it, uh, again, to, to being young. I, I keep thinking of kids, freshmen in college, you know, hanging out, the tapestry on the wall in the dorm rooms, figuring out how to save the world, man. We can make it work, man. And that's just, I'm talking about modern monetary theory. And one of the biggest uh, proponents of this is uh, Stephanie Kelton. She happens to be a, um, a professor at a university not far from where I live there, Stony Brook, not far down the road. Um, modern monetary theory. Basically, the theory is this. Um, if you want it, government, you can have it. Just print it. Just press print. And she actually had a book that came out. It was called The Deficit Myth. Basically, they were, um, they were spiking the football. See? See? Look, at during COVID, we printed all this money, and there's no side effects, and we could just spend it on whatever we want. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Then all of a sudden, uh, reality came around. Reality came around in the form of inflation. Inflation. And now they're making excuses for themselves. They did a, a piece on her. Uh, New York Times this past week. And it's, it's funny. Larry Summers. Larry Summers, smartest guy in the world. Just ask him. Uh, even he came out. He says, I'm sorry to see the uh, New York Times taking modern monetary theory seriously as an intellectual movement. It is the equivalent of publicizing fad diets, quack cancer cures, or creationist theories. And again, you got more and more people coming out and uh, blasting this New York Times piece and blasting this ridiculous idea, this modern monetary theory. And you know what it's become? It's become, guess what? White guys are bad. That's right. That's right. You get the liberal publications out there that love modern monetary theory because, again, they, they, they don't understand consequences. They just want. I want, I want, I want. I want this government program. I want more money for this program. I want it. And they just feel that, hey, this is the great way to do it. Just print it. They're all coming out of the woodwork now. Oh, white males are being critical of this female economist and her theory. What the hell? What the hell does gender have to do with stupidity and bad ideas? Huh? What? What? It's, we're, now, we're now moving on to this now. You, you can't be critical of stupid ideas if they come from some, I don't know, whatever they're calling marginalized this day. Who knows? Anyway, um, there was a great piece I wanted to share with you. Uh, Andy Kessler, a Wall Street Journal, and he was interviewing an economist by the name of George Gilder. And talking about wealth and understanding wealth and what is wealth. How to create, how to create lasting wealth. How do you create lasting wealth? Well, guess what? You do more with less productivity. It's always been true. Always been true. The Industrial Revolution 
applying knowledge to replace horses and uh, steam power. We got steam power now. No more horses. Lowers the cost of what? Lowers the cost of clothing. Lowers the cost of shipping. Computers. Computers. You got information embedded in silicon uh, chips there. Cheap. They're not even done displacing certain parts of our economy. These are these productivity gains are the engines of progress. Now, this obviously is um, against the left, the left's belief that there's a static pie that's out there. This is the old was Alexandria Casio Cortez said it about billionaires. They didn't make a billion dollars. They took a billion dollars. <laughs> George Gilder states, he said, wealth is most essentially knowledge. Let's face it. Think about this concept for a second. I thought it was brilliant. The caveman. The caveman had access to all of the materials that we have today. Therefore, economic growth is what? Learning. Manifested in learning curves of collapsing costs driven by markets. Yet these learning curves get waved away by economists. Information, not materials, drives growth. Another way of explaining this is if you crash a car, the value of the car disappears, but every single molecule is still there. That, uh, again, paradox guys like musk and bezos and others that they're they're just driven by greed greed driven by greed right again alexander ocasio cortez you took a million dollars uh-huh uh-huh yeah and again you ever notice that all of these people that say that stuff are the ones that are too lazy to go out and start a business go out and build a business capitalism is not chiefly an incentive system where entrepreneurs act in rote response to rewards and punishments like like in a skitter box it's an information system governed by the unveiling of surprising truths innovation if the creativity of entrepreneurs wasn't a surprise guess what socialist planning would work karl marx didn't and Bernie Sanders most certainly doesn't understand productivity. Again, um, this is the part of the paradox. You know, you, you can keep your wealth only if you're willing to give it to others. Think about it. If you have knowledge and capital, the only way to produce wealth is to invest in things that lower cost to consumers and slide down new learning curves. A little bit more on this when we get back. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. We shall return. Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. Bringing America financial freedom one listener at a time. You're listening to the watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski. Welcome back, everybody. It is the uh, one, the only watchdog on Wall Street show. We're talking about uh, wealth and understanding wealth and what is wealth. And in essence, wealth is knowledge. 
It's knowledge. You can't you get the, the leftists out there. You didn't build that. You took that. They don't get it. They don't get it. Again, I, I thought that the, the example was fantastic. The caveman had everything that we have today. Everything, right? What did they do with it? Basically, um, again, again, you keep your wealth. You can get wealthier as long as you're willing to provide it to others. Providing something that others will also find productive. The iPhone. Artificial intelligence. Entrepreneurs expand their customers' wealth. This is what we call societal wealth. Capitalism isn't greedy. In essence, it's the sincerest form of charity. And the, the problem we have today is just too much capital gets taken and misused and redistributed before it can be invested and provided in some sort of wealth-enhancing form. I, I, again, I, I talk about this all the time. It drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. What was this? The one of the, the stories this past week? Yeah, they, the well, the Biden administration's walking it back now. How they're going to fund crack pipe distribution and other drug paraphernalia? They were spending millions of dollars on this program and billions of dollars on that program and this one. And, and I, I look at this and I see these things and I say to myself, you know what I could do with that money? Do Do you understand the jobs that I could create? the businesses that I could build with that money when it's just it's spent in Washington, D.C., wasted? So wealth is knowledge, okay? The biggest constraint of the process of learning is what? It's time. Time is what remains scarce when all else becomes abundant. Fed, Fed can print money, but it can't print time. And, you know, he goes on to talk about the zero interest rate policy and what it does is, in essence, distorts and warps time. We talked about that at the beginning of the program today. You come up with almost a, a, a bastardized version of what is supposed to happen. Again, you got to understand here, people, the risks. Okay, the time horizons change when you have a zero interest rate policy. And then, you know what? It makes all of these far flung ideas, uh, again, more possible at that time because money is so cheap. Now, what we're seeing right now is the opposite effect on that. You're seeing a lot of these. We call them the beginning of the program. Zombie companies. There's a reckoning that's taking place and it was inevitable. Gilder uh, concludes his points. He says, money operates as tokenized time and sets the cadence of progress through man's darkness and ignorance into the future. Investing works best when the future is unknowable as opposed to the past few years when investors assumed that everything is awesome. Everything is going to work just perfect. Everything is going to be fine. Right. Before what? Before you end up holding the bag, before you end up becoming one of those greater fools out there. We don't want that. 
So, again, you have to look to quality. Look for real. Look for real learning curves, real technology, stuff that's going to make people more productive. Over the long haul, wealth is created by investing in learning, knowledge, and productivity. So we always talk about capital expenditures. Don't focus on the demand side or the supply side. Think of the economy as knowledge-fueled. Ideas. Ideas are infinite. Supply is infinite. And also, again, despite what AOC says and what Elizabeth Warren says, societal wealth is infinite. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Again, take advantage of all the great stuff that we have at our site. Become part of the Watchdog on Wall Street family, our personal CFO program, and lots, lots, lots more. Watchdog on WallStreet.com or give us a call 800 471 5984. Taking Wall Street's liars, crooks, and cheats out behind the woodshed. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street. Uh, Pretenders. Welcome back, everybody. It is The Watchdog on Wall Street Show. Well, the the Boston Fed and uh, the folks over at... uh, MIT, they've got a uh, model they've put together uh, when it comes to electronic cash. Electronic cash. Again, boy, Um, it's, you know, it's coming. It's coming. And again, what is this going to do, this electronic cash? What is this going to do to all of those payment companies out there, the PayPals of the world and the Venmos and, and whatnot, the government is going to love this. They're going to love it because they can track everything. Can track everything. Um, I, I'm going to tell you why this makes me nervous. Listen, you, you want to have digital currency, fine, but you cannot allow for tangible currency to go away. Once they get rid of tangible currency... And it's all nothing more than blips on the screen. Um, it's over. It's over because they can just take whatever they want. They just take whatever they want in more ways than one. We already got inflation running really hot. And we all know that, uh, in essence, risk-free assets are losing you money. You're getting a negative rate of return on your risk-free assets. You know, a government could, in essence, they could even make it worse. They can force you to spend, in, in essence. If you can't take your money out of a bank, can't take your money out of a bank, can't remove it, what if they went to negative interest rates? Saying, hey, you know what? We've got negative interest Lowered interest rates, they're negative. So you're losing money as it sits there in the electronic blip form. And you can't take it out, so they can't take it away. Meaning what? You're going to spend it. It's either use it or lose it. Not good. 
not good. I, listen, I, I understand that the technology and moving money from point A uh, to point B and, and all that good stuff, but uh, yeah, we need to continue to have some sort of uh, physical currency. That's for sure. Uh, U.S. trade gap uh, swelled to a record in 2021, largest on record. Just despite, okay, those Trump tariffs are still in place. Biden didn't remove that stuff, okay? They're still there, and we still have a trade gap. Why? Well, we, again, we don't make that much here in this country. I mean, in certain areas, we've improved to some degree. But you know it as well as I do. You know, you go to you go to Walmart, you go to Target, you're buying some, looking to buy something made where? Where is it made? Not here, more often than not. That that is the reality of the terrain. And and quite frankly, if you know you wanted to open up a manufacturing plant here in the United States, and let's let's say you were a foreign company. You want to open a manufacturing plant here in the United States, and you're good good paying jobs. But you take a look at the current labor market, and you can't find the workers, you might set up shop somewhere else because that, that's something you need to consider. The most small businesses since 1974 are raising prices due to inflation. Yeah, of course they are. Of course. They, how can they not? Again, small businesses bear the brunt of it you know, to a much greater degree than large businesses do. And it's a simple fact that the the smaller businesses, they don't have the purchasing power to negotiate when it comes to suppliers. And they're not going to be spending some of the lower costs that some some of the bigger companies are. Not to mention, again, you have fuel prices. All of this stuff is doing a a number on small businesses all around the country. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. We'll be back. You know, she used to have to wait around. She used to be the only one. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street. This is The Watchdog on Wall Street. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll hold the next um, Winter Olympics. I don't know. Maybe maybe they should hold it in uh, Chernobyl, in the Ukraine. They can just have it there. Did you watch any? I I haven't watched any of it, but I've seen the pictures. Oh my god! Again, I, I think Winter Olympics. You want the Alps? You want Colorado Lake? Placid snow. (laughs) And again, it just just shows you how corrupt these uh, these international bodies are, whether it be the Olympics, whether it be the World Cup, whatever it may be. It's all about money. It's all about money. And you see that the athletes are complaining the type of food that they're being served and the covid rules and regulations Again, um, nobody's watching. Nobody is watching. They're not even watching curling, for crying out loud. Anyway, um, I got a 
get into, uh, I got to talk a little bit about crime. Is file into some of the woke stuff that we're talking about. Um, <laughs> so, videos. You could do this right now. You, you could. You, oh, it's a quick story here. Back when I, I ages ago, when I uh, first moved to, to New York City for the first time. Again, I, I wanted to see. I did. I was curious. I wanted to see where all of the, you know, like the, the mafia social clubs were. You know, Ravenite Social Club. I you know, didn't go out to what was the one in Brooklyn they had there, the uh, the hunt and trap. But anyway, go down. It's just kind of just down in Little Italy, and you would you know you would see yeah, there's the club and the guys hanging out outside, kind of looking like Donnie Brasco to some degree. Well, you, you can uh, if you want to watch crime happen right now. You want? I wasn't watching crime. I just wanted to see the you know the mafia social clubs. You can uh, you just. Go up to any Rite Aid or uh, Trader Joe's or grocery store in Manhattan and just watch people steal. Just watch people steal because that's that's what's going on. They just you whatever you want, just go take it. No one's gonna do a damn thing. You know this is um, you know they were all talking about. Oh, we finally got rid of Bill De Blasio. Finally got rid, of, and he was again awful. Awful. I, again, I, I can't think of, it's hard to think of a, a worse public servant. It really is. But his, um, <laughs> his successor, his successor's most certainly doing a horrible job. Do you know that every New York City precinct, every New York City precinct except Central Park, crime is up and way up, sometimes doubled. Stores are getting robbed left, right, all over the place. Nothing. Nothing being done. And, and you know what it is? You get the stupid governor in New York. And it's just not just in New York. This is in other urban areas around the country. You get the New York governor, Kathy Hochul. No data that bail reform is causing crime wave. Really? Wow. You don't say because all these people that they arrest for terrible crimes, they've got rap sheets as far as the eye could see. And then, of course, you've got these... Um, District attorneys, district attorneys that um, they, they're just not enforcing the law. They're not enforcing the law. And again, we're supposed to be a nation of laws. You're supposed to enforce the law. You're a DA. Your job is to enforce the law. If you say, oh, I got prosecutorial, uh, uh, what is it? What is it called? Prosecutorial authority or I forget what exactly Obama said. I was talking about this when it came to immigration back in the day. Discretion, prosecutorial discretion, maybe that's the phrase. Um, no, you don't. Like in certain cases, to some degree, yes, but not blanket. I'm not going to prosecute crimes like robbing and stealing. You can't do that, but they're doing it. We're doing it. I say again, I, I love our country. I love the United States. I love our Constitution. I love all that stuff, but we lost it in many respects. When you have people basically saying, I can do whatever the hell I want to do. No, you can't. It's not supposed to work that way. You know, and the sad thing about this, too, <laughs> George Soros. George Soros financed all of these crazy district attorneys. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he financed all of their campaigns, gave them a, a ton of money. The, the guy is, for all intents and purposes, he's basically a Bond villain. He's basically a James Bond villain.
And by, where is James Bond, Felix? They got to do something about this Soros cat. Again, it's, it's, again, it's right out of a spy thing. We'll infiltrate the country and destroy their inner cities by putting in uh, friendly uh, district attorneys that will let crime go. I mean, again, you could write a script for crying out loud. Anyway, I'm going to pick on uh, California a little bit here. Um, yes, uh, the uh, Bay Area, Bay Area executives and politicians are calling on their citizens to um, let homeless people stay in their houses. No, 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 I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. That's right. Uh, they want the people there to start taking in homeless. Now, listen, okay? I'm all for being a good Samaritan and helping people out. Um, but I'm sorry, I've been to San Francisco, okay? I've been to San Francisco, and, and there are homeless that are walking around in the streets, walking around like they're the walking dead because they're all drugged out. Um, you're going to allow that into your home? Yeah, we, we have it now in, in New York as well, but have these people lost their minds? This is not, these are not a, a family that's down on their luck because their house caught fire or whatever it may be. You're, you're going to let, you're going to let drug addicts and drug users in your home. You also have to provide to them free crack pipes. Is, is that part of the deal too? God bless everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Our site. God bless. Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.